0: Hi, this is Isabella Johnston, and today's tip of the week is about improving company culture. Every week as a part of Employers for Change, I come in and I share a tip for HR directors, for CEOs, for hiring managers, just about how you can improve whether it's skill development, leadership, mentoring, culture, whatever the issues are, and of course, internships. So we're going to talk about improving company culture. This tip is focused on how you can share challenges. You want to encourage that with your team and the employees as a whole. When you share what challenges are, you actually engage that ability to solve problems, to look at things in a critical way, to see how how it can be improved. So you have to remember you hired the best and the smartest people in the room for a reason. By being open about challenges you and your company are facing, you're presenting opportunities for the team to come up with solutions together. This doesn't mean that you need to share every minutia of every logistical challenge, but when it comes to solving complicated challenges, several minds, the whole company, whatever, it is especially when those perspectives come from diverse backgrounds, they're more powerful. So just remember, sharing challenges is a good thing. Welcome to the Intern Whisper. The show is all about the future of work. Hi, I am so excited to have Fred Rockwell here. He is the founder and CEO of Ascent Conference and the co-founder of Investor Summit. He is getting ready. Now, we pre-record this show, so for the audience, when they're listening, they're going to be hearing this, and he's going to be in January of 2023. So you're going to have an opportunity to hear about the excitement that happens at the Ascent Conference in New York and how he is like in charge of all of these great things for any company that's a SaaS company. So, Fred, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me. I appreciate being a guest.
0: I am so excited because I will be in New York also, and I'll get to meet you in person, so that's going to be cool.
1: I'm looking forward to that.
0: So, I always kick off my show where we ask our guests five questions, five words that they would say describe them and why those five words. So we, we kind of went over it a little bit. So, you know, no worries. I can help you with that. Um, You can pick any one of your five if you know, or, but I'll kick you off with determined. Why determined?
1: That is uh, a good question. So determined, I think anyone that starts a business really needs to be determined because it's so hard. It's so much harder than you would think. Uh, There's tough choices that you have to make. There's tough situations with people where, you know, you wish you could do everything for everyone, but you have to make hard choices like promote one person versus another, or even occasionally fire somebody. And, um, you know, the only way to get through it is just to be determined. So And that's something I've been my whole life. Like if I really set my sights on something, if I want it, then I do what it takes to get it. Uh, You know, and that goes back to being a kid. Like I remember wanting a TV and video games for my room so badly. And like my parents didn't want it, didn't want me to have it. So I was like, how do I get money? And I was like 12 years old. I got a paper route. I just, you know, an obstacle has never felt too big like oh i always like work back from how can i get to what i want um, so
0: did your parents respect the fact that that was your money and they let you spend it on what you want
1: i mean yeah oh absolutely i got the video game and the and tv i wouldn't have done the job if they were taking the money i don't think i for me it was like um i wanted i i didn't just get the job because i was interested in delivering newspapers i wanted the video games i wanted them in my room that was the motivating factor so you know um yeah they They were cool they were cool about that they uh i mean i think something they instilled in me was let me kind of find my own way and um i've always been really focused on work you know and work oriented Mm -hmm. so
0: excuse me, are your parents and entrepreneurs also?
1: No, not at all.
0: Interesting. Okay. So they're respecting that too. So you said your second word is loyal. Why loyal? That is like so rare.
1: Uh, I think there's a lot of loyal people. Uh, you know, I, I I have really loyal employees. I'm really loyal to, you know, good people on my team or, or family. I just, I think it's such an important trait, you know, I think it's more important than almost anything, like the type of people that you surround yourself with and um
0: you can't you know, buy
1: loyalty. You can't buy it. You can't buy it. It's something you have to earn and I think it goes both ways, like they say you have to give respect to get it and people that are in my circle, they know I'm very loyal to them and try to help them and they reciprocate. So, um, that's good. You know, yeah. It's half like I've had employees that I'm just been so loyal to that. Um, you know, maybe I should let them go, but I've just spent so much time helping develop them. And then, when you do get them over the hump, whatever it is, you end up getting paid back, you know, 10 times more because they respect what you did for them. Mm -hmm. So.
0: Yeah. I've met some people that have had entrepreneurial companies also. And so they allow their employees to, to kind of create that next pipeline. I'm going to guess that you are probably supportive of them as, well, if this is what you want to do, I'm going to have to support you.
1: Yeah, I'm not a dictator by any means. I'm not a micromanager. You know, I I think my management styles, like trust and inspire, you know, I like do your thing. I want you guys focused on getting to the end goal, but you know, you can find your own way to do it Um, because I don't have time to micromanage. I wouldn't be good at it. I'd be a terrible micromanager. So I just, I do what I know.
0: Yeah, that's good. So your third word was funny, and yeah, sometimes I'm funny, sometimes
1: and I—that's uh, kind of what gets me through any situation—is being able to find humor in it. My wife would actually say that I'm not funny; she doesn't understand my humor at all. But I think my team—you um, know—in the like whatever we're going through, whatever the challenge is, I—I try to find a way to make light of the situation, and. Um. Yeah. I have always liked to joke around no matter what I'm working on. Like there's always a way to incorporate, you know, making it fun or funny. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Having some fun workshops where you can talk about, okay, put these two words together and that's your new nickname, you know, something like that. It's random. There you go. Yeah. And it is funny what people come up with. So you said introverted.
1: Yeah. I'm very introverted. I, uh, and then especially since COVID, I've become very, very insular, introverted. Um, but, you know, that's, I think you asked me words that describe me. I don't know if that's my favorite characteristic about myself. It's just happens to be true and people know it. You know, I don't talk a ton. Um, I don't engage a lot, you know, but when I do have, I don't like kind of small, meaningless interactions, like being at a cocktail party where you know you have to say hello to 20 people and it's just 30 seconds of nice niceties. And I'd rather just sit down with one person and get to know that person, have an in-depth convo, and then, um, you know, them doing, doing it the other way.
0: Yeah, I get it. I understand. So your last word that you selected was reliable.
1: You can count on me every time. I always come through. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: Were you a Boy Scout too?
1: No, was not. Mm. I, yeah, I just like to do what I say and say what I do. It's I feel like that's the easiest way to live your life. So... Being on time, delivering what I say I'm going to deliver, whether it's to family or employees or clients.
0: Mm-hmm. Those are really good traits to have. And, and again, especially if you can deliver on time, software and new development so hard to deliver on time for those two particular products. Yeah. So ridiculously hard. So we go into this next side of a person and we want to understand how did they get started in their career and end up where they are now. But let's look at where did you go to school and, you know, why did you choose your, those majors? Uh, because some people choose a major and it has nothing to do with their career path.
1: Yeah, I went to University of Delaware for undergrad and University of Michigan for MBA. I studied business at both and honestly i was just very focused on making money and it when i was young wanted to to make make some bank uh so business just seemed natural um and got into business worked in accounting and finance for you know first half of my career and you know i had pros and cons i didn't ever love it i was never passionate about it i think A lot of people kind of wander through their career a little bit, just taking jobs that are a fit without ever really being passionate about it. And there's a lot of different things that can make you passionate about a job. Mm. It can be the actual tasks you're doing or the people you're working with or what the end goal is of the company. But I think I was like that. I was just kind of, you know, I had jobs. I wanted to work for big companies where you would know the name because job stability and it felt like prestigious maybe, but none of that, um, I didn't love any of that. Uh, So the market downturn of 2008, 2009, decided to go back to business school, get an MBA. um, And the second half of my career has been all entrepreneurship. So got really interested in small public companies and, connecting them with investors, helping them. And that's where I started Investor Summit. So, and then from there, Ascent Conference spun off. And those two businesses do more than just conferences, especially Ascent, it's it's a community that we engage on a regular basis all year round. So through newsletters, through webinars, through, um, we call them spotlight events, but kind of like smaller virtual conferences, in-person conferences. And, um, you know, what those conferences do is they help connect CEOs and investors, and they help connect buyers and sellers of software. So that's the end game of, you know, everything that we do. And I like being in that software space because it's growing and changing really fast the way we do a lot of different things. So uh, I forget even what your question was, but I hope that yeah, I answered it just there. Yeah,
0: you did. You absolutely did. So I, I love the fact that you focus on um, the community side of it. How did COVID impact your business model? Because oh, it was, stopped everything, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, Stop, put a, you know, spoke in the wheels of everything. We didn't know what we were going to do. And we just kind of redesigned a lot of things, you know, I don't want to bore you with too many details, but um, you know, kind of invented new inventory sold to different people. Um, It really did change a lot and it's still continuing to change a lot, Mm -hmm. you know, going into the future, I think. So corporate events are always going to be totally different. And what's changed is now, people's demand their appetite so now they have zoom they have virtual conferences the demand for in person interactions has changed so it's not it's it, no it's worse it's definitely worse um but there's a way to capitalize on that and some people are doing it some people aren't and you know it's all about the attendee experience and understanding their experience and how it's different now and how demand has changed in the space and how do you want to position yourself to you know take advantage of all that because it is an opportunity too it's not just a downside like it's opened up new revenue channels for us um that at first we're like you know i wish we could just go back to what we did in the first place but overall it's going to end up being a really positive thing and i think These online communities is it's like a buzz thing everybody's talking about right now. But that really is the future of how people engage. You know, think of it like LinkedIn. That's so much is happening on LinkedIn these days. You know, that's a whole other sales channel. There's the phone, there's email, and now there's LinkedIn. But I think it's gonna be the same thing for smaller communities. So, like the SaaS community, you need a LinkedIn. For SaaS buyers and sellers, and they need to be able to interact in a more specific way than they can on, say, a LinkedIn. Um, and that's who we are. We're going to facilitate all those interactions for them. And um, you know, it's going to be a mix of different things. It's going to be conferences. It's going to be webinars. It's going to be these spotlight events. It's going to be the opportunity to engage through a forum. It's going to be blogs. Um, but that's all AR, where we're going.
0: AR or VR fitting into your model and what you think it's going to look like?
1: It's not for me, just because I don't really understand it. I mean, I think um, the whole was,
0: right
1: so. that's for Facebook. That's for you know Mark Zuckerberg to figure out. I'm a small fry trying to, you know, I'm working in a much smaller space. But I mean. I So what we did see, the people that really took a, in conferences, there's companies that were launched that tried to create these dynamic 3D virtual reality experiences for people um, with like a demo floor that you could really engage with the booths and, and people didn't like it. No one liked it. They all thought it was awkward and uh, it was not a hit at all. Um so i think that's kind of telling um but maybe it's where the experience is it's not like where we're not robots it's not the year 3000 you know i don't think we're ready for that some stuff maybe um but nothing will ever replace just like actual in-person interaction and
0: yeah. you know I i'm not going
1: to take my son fishing in a canoe in the metaverse you know that's not going to be their experience of doing it like that just seems so um like sacrilegious to even right you know like some stuff you just need to do in person experiences you need to have i agree no, so no the answer is no i'm not considering it um
0: I think not people what are made I for relationship and we want that. And I think because everything is so digital now, they're, they're starving for it, especially those that are extroverted, like processors and communicators, and they want to be around people. For me, it was extremely depressing to be in COVID and not be around people. I, I felt like it was prison so much. Oh.
1: I thrived. For me, it was an opportunity to just kind of like Superman has uh, his fortress of solitude. Uh, it was an, an opportunity for me to just get really introspective and think about a lot of things. And I feel like I came back stronger. And, um, you know, I'm I don't do well in an in-person office. It's too distracting for me. Mm-hmm. So I really thrive in this environment. Um, I've, I actually like it.
0: Yeah. And that's why it's really good to have people that like opposite things though, because it, it can push some other things out there. For example, like, you know, your in-person conference, I am loving it. And I look forward to that because the human interaction is just super important. And in my opinion,
1: so it depends on what it is, you know, like I, I'm happy to just order my groceries from, you know, Whole Foods online or order things from Amazon and just have them show up at my house. I don't need to go and pick those things out of the store. But like for some, if you're trying to close a million-dollar deal, if you're trying to raise a round and you wanna meet an investor, like you have to shake hands face to face with somebody to really trust them and understand them on. You know, a different level, I don't think anything will ever replace that. So, I mean, I agree. Yeah, you know,
0: because there's the more of your um, senses that you're incorporating, you know, the sense of seeing somebody hearing them, being able to shake hands, like you said, there's touch, all of those senses ingrain that experience, even more so into a person's brain. And makes it either a yes or a no. Either yeah, way. isn't it
1: smell is the most mm-hmm. uh, tied to memory of any sense? And it then is. how do you, you know, I think trusting someone, like how do you...
0: Cologne, whatever their soap is or whatever their shampoo, right? You know, there's ways that you, you incorporate that in there, but it could also be where you ate when you were having that meeting with somebody. It doesn't have to be anything that they smell like. But the point of all of that is is that uh, smell only lasts for, I think it's like five seconds and then it's gone. So it's such a, an intense memory um, spotlight for us But yet it can, you walk in a room and you can instantly become acclimated to the smell very, very quickly. So like if somebody is sick or whatever, you know, you don't, you don't always smell the hospital anymore. Yeah.
1: yeah. Like uh, Christmas, you know, it's Christmas smells like just as a smell. Right. Um, Yeah. So. You know, I've hired people, I have employees that I've never met in person before, even that, but like meeting an investor or making a big sale, I just feel like you have to. There's a reason that the biggest deals are closed by the outside salespeople and not the inside salespeople. Mm-hmm. It's about just kind of, you know pressing the flesh as they say so
0: yeah it it goes back to what you said it's it's a relationship and that's what's being forged there is the ability to i I can't tell you how many people land in my inbox on linkedin and go hey quick question i don't see it as much as i used to that used to drive me nuts and i went okay fine reject i'm not even gonna you know open this up because they they don't want to know me And that's super, I'm extremely relation, relationship oriented and driven. So I pretty much have to have that piece in there so that I, I talk with all of these people. This is my fifth year for doing a podcast. And so I've talked to so many people and I keep in touch with these people too, just because they're really interesting to me.
1: How often do you do the podcast? Every week. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you've met. 250 people that you stay in touch with five times
0: 52 yeah
1: that is a lot
0: that is a lot yeah it is hard to believe because i'm in a this is a college uh radio studio and so they close so sometimes i have to get all of them packed in and like today i've done three podcasts and this will be the last one, but they're all ready. And they're scheduled to go out throughout the end of January because the school closes down. So, you know, I don't have access to a studio where we have this great equipment and do you need the
1: equipment though. Do you, I mean, I feel like a podcast, anybody can do. You, know, absolutely. With-
0: you can, you can. And I did it when we had COVID, I was doing them all zoom, but you know, in the bedroom with a green screen behind me. So yeah, you can do it, but, you know, this, it kind of looks cooler, you know? Yeah,
1: for sure. Did you ever think about doing the Joe Rogan thing and, like, both of you guys being in person in the same oh, place? Oh, actually
0: do. Yeah. Oh, and wow. Like, there's three chairs that sit across from me. So, if anybody is local or they're in here, they come into the studio with me. And so, we're looking at each other, and there's a really cool, you know, wall of color over there, and there's a TV monitor. There's all kinds of stuff. But, you know, that's not always possible proximity is, you know, preventative for sure. So what is, I'm going to go, I'm going to skip around a couple of questions here. Um, what do you, what, how do you define gratitude for yourself? What does that mean? And how do you show
1: that? How I define gratitude. Yeah. I think it's just about taking time. Um, to realize how far you come, to celebrate wins, to, yeah, like in any struggle, there's wins. So, um, you know, and any, being part of a team, it, like being a manager of a number of people, you have to just stack wins on top of wins. And that's what really builds momentum. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as a team, I like to just take time to actually be grateful for things that we've done, you know, praise work that's happened and help start building those wins when I'm not at work, when I'm at home, it's my family and my daughter that, you know, she's seven months old, but just being so grateful for them and how much they bring to my life and how, you know, happy they make me that reminds me, you know, anything that I'm working on, it's just not as important as in the moment, I sometimes think it is.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get what you're saying there. So how do you define company culture? And is that the the um, fabric of how your company is, has been built?
1: I mean, not always. At first it was not. And it's just people mirror what you do. Uh, you know, I'm the CEO. So I have employees and some of them have employees and the way that I treat someone is going to get mirrored by them to their people. And there's a trickle down effect to it. So, you know, as soon as I realized that, as soon as I started noticing that, and as soon as I noticed how important it was to get the bad apples out and to to have kind of like-minded, and more important than like-minded, but like like-valued people. So, any signs of greed, any signs of being too controlling, just doesn't play on our team. You know, we we're all about the team. We're all about uh, team success and helping each other, and star players like you could come in be a great salesperson or great at marketing or anything like that and i would take a great team over that any you know any day of the week just people that are working cohesively it's just so much more important to have a like a, a good culture
0: mm-hmm. yeah i totally agree
1: I the think culture you- will overcome it like the culture is just you know we band together and we figure it out and they're problem solvers, then it doesn't really matter what gets thrown at you. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you have those kind of selfish people, then the first bump in the road, they're just gone. Or, you know, they're going to want to know what's in it for themselves, or they're going to be just such a squeaky wheel or problem that they end up becoming a distraction. And it's just not worth it, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. that's my two cents
0: i agree and i have a team mindset also you know and i i really encourage that quite a bit so i think that people um it ties to games not just even sports but games and the desire to win do you set milestones for your people
1: i should more but yeah we, we have milestones um
0: That's good. big time
1: you know every quarter people know kind of what's on their plate what the, the pie in the sky goal is what the smaller goals are um, so absolutely they need that people need it mm-hmm. and not only do they need it they need to be reminded of it like every quarter or else they kind of lose focus of it mm-hmm. yeah uh, so one i have to constantly remind myself that is that i'm always thinking about these things they're not you know, I have to like get into their heads, remind them, kind of tell them where we're at or else it just gets like lost. A,
0: a, a town hall meeting. Do you do something like that with your, I don't know how many people are in your company?
1: 20 something. Um, decent. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Um, we do like an all hands, maybe once every two weeks. And we try to do like a retreat maybe once a year. I mean, that's, I wanted to have a huge team in the beginning. Like, I think if I, when I first started in business, if I had just gone really slow, I'd have a hundred people right now. And every mistake that I've made has been trying to rush it, cut corners. So I've got all good people, you know, I know that. quality, Yeah.
0: Quality counts over quantity any day for sure. So, what is it? Now, there's three questions, but they kind of lead into each other. What do you want to be known for? And that means in present tense.
1: I would say known for changing corporate events, kind of um, I want to be known for pioneering a new way of doing corporate events and of connecting people being at the forefront of all of that. Um, And I would have never said that 20 years ago. That's not like a dream I had as a kid. It's just kind of stumbled into this space. I'm doing this thing. And, you know, now it's just like a passion. I've got my mind set on it. I have to do it. Um, And if I'm going to do it, I want to do it really well. Um, And, you know, it's a space where I think it's changing a ton right now. So just being tuned into what people want and how to execute on that is so critical and not everybody gets it. So, you know, there's going to be some that do and some that don't. Uh, so what do I want to be known for that? Yeah. I mean, I think just really high quality pioneering, doing things different and leading the way.
0: Mm-hmm. The fact that I I like that you had said that you have spotlight ones, because I'm in the HR industry, HR and ed tech, and those are not the sexy things that people want to go to. They sit here and go, oh, please, let it be FinTech. Let it be energy. Let it be any of those things. But I sit here and I go, you've got to be kidding me. People are the core of everything that you're trying to do that is super cool. So you should care about it. It's one of those things. And I saw that was one of the events that you also had when I was like looking up all of the, the special series that you do. So I was um, pretty excited about that too. Um, So what do you want to be remembered for? If you decide you're going to exit your company or, you know, it's at a roast, you know, 20 years from now, what is it that you want to be remembered
1: for? I would say, you know, for leadership i mean i just think being a fair and good person and just trying to make the best out of everybody every situation for everybody that i work with i'd like people to remember me for having integrity um you know and the thing about running a business like you have to occasionally fire people that's just comes with the territory and it sucks mm-hmm. but you have to be able to do it in the in in the right way um
0: yeah you yeah i to think to
1: that, that's what you. i want to be known for sorry about the ambulance in the background i don't know if you can hear it but yeah. i am in new york city it so is hard for me to control to my background sounds.
0: yeah i like it i like um i've done some of my shows near um Like a window where there's a road uh, when I go down to the co-working space, and honestly, you'll hear the bus, and then you'll also hear the ambulances go by or whatever. And I go, yeah, we're in the heart of downtown, so it's cool. It always gives a certain kind of a spin to it. Um, What is the impact that you want to leave on the world?
1: I think just making entrepreneurship more accessible to people, so and making it easier for the entrepreneurs out there to grow their business and that's that's the backbone of everything that we do so it's really about helping make those connections and help people grow their business either with buyers or investors and then taking all the learnings and just making those also accessible to anybody um, and you know i think it's like uh there's a a group those who start businesses are all just really like-minded people and have been through the same thing. So I do feel very compelled to try to help those, you know, people that have been through the same starting a business struggle. And, um, you know, that's my, that's my I'm up. There's actually more background noise, not only am I in my New York city, but I do have uh seven month old daughter so you might hear her in the background as well
0: that's okay. also another sound
1: i cannot control
0: for a little bit yeah so the, we're gonna take a moment to acknowledge our sponsor cat5studios the intern whisperer is brought to you by cat5studios who help you create games and videos for your training and marketing needs that are out of this world visit
1: cat5studios for more information to learn how cat5studios can help your business Thank you, Cat5 Studios.
0: And we're back to the second half of our show where we look at what is the future of jobs and industries in 2030. Now, that's not that far away. It's essentially eight years away from now. But with that said, what is it going to look like? Now, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just opinion. So who can say? What do you think for your industry events 2030 will look like? I do think that there's going to be more AR and VR. I don't know how popular it's going to be because again, personally, I like being around people and to have to wear a set of goggles to go and talk with people. I'm going, that seems counterproductive to me.
1: Yeah. I just, I've demoed all those softwares. I didn't love them um, when it comes to conferences, I don't see that being part of the picture in the next eight years. I just don't. Um, I do think that just the popularity of LinkedIn, where people come together, they share content, they're networking with each other. I think that's something we're going to see more and more of, but on a smaller scale. So subsets of that. And, um, you know, community building is a, buzzword everybody's talking about it with their business and everything else but i think you know for software as a service there needs to be a community like a linkedin style community that where people come together and engage and um
0: go to other thought leaders and knowledge you know people that can share in those little communities like what you're describing sounds kind of like mighty networks
1: I don't know what that is, to be honest, but,
0: um, California product and they help you build your communities. Uh, it's a SaaS product for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that those types of things are going to be huge. I think, uh, a lot of these little communities are going to spring up and, and, and be built. I think things are going to be more automated. So Mm -hmm. jobs will get more and more automated and that's going to lead to more unemployment. Um, you know, it's going to be hard for everybody to stay employed if, um, you know, computers can do our jobs. So what happens then? And I think the answer really is a universal basic income. I think having a floor of what people will make, and I think it's going to create an opportunity for a lot of artists out there and creatives to really advance all the things that aren't money generating but that create value to mankind i think you know by having a universal basic income it it provides an opportunity for people to be artists and explore you know different things and not necessarily have to worry so much about making money so in eight years maybe we see the tip of that iceberg but um you know the next 100 years definitely
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now here in Florida, we have robots that are serving food in restaurants.
1: Get out of here! I don't are believe serious? that.
0: I don't know how is it like not in New York. I think that I sit here. And, oh, really? It should be. And the funny thing is, it's kind of out in the um in the Disney area, and you know, out in that area of Osceola County. I'm in Florida, but I've heard of uh, other people that have been on the show. They've had uh, robots that um, parks where they're delivering food so it goes into a little container like area of the body and it just rolls on out and says here's your food gives it to you um there's grocery stores in europe where you can just you know walk in and it's your watch your apple watch or whatever gets you in the store you buy what you want it's taken out of your account and you walk out there's no people in there
1: that was interesting yeah yeah, I mean things will change for sure. I'm I'd be interested to see. I don't I've heard of the food with like a conveyor belt, you know, the Japanese style dim sum style. Right. But a robot that comes out and serves you your food, that's that is interesting. I mean there's still just needs to be a person that cooks it or does there? I don't know. Maybe not.
0: No. They they don't not not always in a lot of those places. We have autonomous driving cars in some of the Some of the really nice communities here in Orlando too. Yeah, that's coming. Yeah, it is. It's here. They also have a little energy. They have energy stations everywhere, so people can start plugging in their Tesla or whatever. But you know, it it is definitely going to be here. And I think that the world that we see in eight years is, is. The landscape will look the same, but I really think that there's going to be a a bigger impact on jobs, just like what you're predicting, whether it's in hospitality, you know, you can send robots to go and change sheets and whatever in a hotel room, right? So you don't always have have a person there, but it does. There's an ethical dilemma that comes out of this is what happens to those immigrants that do not speak English that well, are they all going to be driving Uber and Lyft because they can't go and work in the hotels now, or where do those people go? Where do the people that were incarcerated and get out of prison or jail, you know, how, what are the jobs that are available to them or for those that are um, special needs, you know, because there's, to me, I said, yeah, we can get rid of those jobs, but does that mean we should get rid of those jobs?
1: Because that's a pay- very tough ethical question. So, right? but if there's a, a, you know, if there's a universal minimum basic income, then I think that would help, you know. They
0: have that in Switzerland. I visited there um, many years ago and everybody in that country is paid a basic income income whether you're a stay-at-home mom or you're shoveling snow off of the streets or you're the garbage man everybody gets a basic uh income and then you know they're able they use more of a caste system is what i was also told is whatever you were born into that is the industry so if your family were doctors then that's what you're supposed to be if whether you want to or not
1: that's wild i don't know if i agree with all that i've been to switzerland it's really nice it is not. Nice. I think it's illegal to throw gum in the streets. Yeah. And for that reason, it's so, all the streets are so clean. It's the opposite of New York City.
0: Oh my God. Yeah, you are so right. It is so ridiculously clean. Yeah. Um, so we talked about robots and AI and all of that stuff, but there's a series on TV now. I, I didn't ask you about this before we got into the show, but it's called Black Mirror. Have you seen it by chance?
1: No, I've heard of it.
0: So if you're trying to figure out what the future is going to look like, it's on Netflix. And I started watching, there's a three, I think three seasons and there's five episodes. They're episodic. And I was watching, uh, I think I got through um, six of them and I started backwards. I kind of went from season three back into two and every single one of them kept getting, they're really dark.
1: Oh yeah. Big time.
0: Yeah and it's it's scary because that ethical dilemma is what's being you know thrown out there and like well should we do that i don't think so so taking an unconscious uh, a person that's in coma in a coma and taking their consciousness out and putting it in a like a, they did it in, in one of the episodes a, a teddy bear and then it was able to talk to the other person that they were married to, you know, he had his, his wife, she, she wasn't going to come out of the state that she was in, but he had her that way and in, in a teddy bear. And then there was, you know, I'm not going to give away what happened, but ethical dilemmas for sure. So I couldn't watch them anymore because they were just really disturbing.
1: Oh, big time. I saw one episode. I can't remember exactly what happened, but uh So people could rewind in their mind, like what had happened Mm -hmm. and you just know, you end up knowing all these things about the people around you and about yourself that you wouldn't normally know. And it's like, do you really want to know everything? Do you want to know the stuff that people said about you when you left the room? Do you want to know? And it, it has a negative impact as well.
0: Mm -hmm yeah those yeah ended in
1: like a murder or something really dark like you said um so
0: yeah um i think that those are the things that uh people don't pay attention to because we're moving as a society so quickly and technology keeps going faster and faster and faster and people we're not keeping up with the pace at which Anything is happening every day. I don't know about you. I open up my phone and go, "Oh, look, there's another app that's got a new update." Now I have to go learn this. So it's impossible to keep up with
1: it. Absolutely impossible.
0: Mm-hmm. So with all of that, and you're in this SaaS industry, what do you think could possibly happen here? You know, do we have do we have a checks and balance system for this? as a industry have you seen anything because i like the concept that you shared previously where we would have SAS, but we're just connecting with SaaS customers instead of on linkedin where it can be all different types of industries whether it's a brick and mortar or or you know SaaS, whatever but should there be a way that we can kind of keep stuff in checks and balances so that we're not gathering too much data about people. We're allowing people to keep private what they want to have stay private. I mean, we're moving towards that now, but has the damage already been done?
1: I see both sides. I mean, yeah, commercials are annoying, but without commercials, there wouldn't be TV and TV is awesome. Mm -hmm. So And then wouldn't you want commercials to be highly targeted for you so that they're the most useful? But then again, like a lot of this stuff is predatory. And I don't know if you're familiar with drop shipping and that business model, but I think people need to be held to a certain standard in terms of service. Like if regulators are going to come in, I mean, I'm not just talking about the freedom of speech stuff, but like anyone can start a business and sell their products with Google ads or LinkedIn ads or Facebook ads. So there needs to be, I mean, I think there needs to be regulation on around the quality of what those products and services are. And it's just kind of like the wild West right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it does. And, yeah. What are the checks and balances? Gosh, I don't know. I think we i don't think there are any and i think that's kind of the way things work like you air on one side and then the pendulum swings back the other way yeah and it's a constant cycle
0: yeah because i i know that there's been i work out of co-working spaces so there's a lot of creative um, discussions that are going on and i usually have to go i can't i sit in what i call the pit area and i'm always hearing these and i'm going can't sit here. I want to, I want to engage in all these conversations, but I need to get my work done. But when I stay for them, the, they really raise a lot of really good, you know, like, well, if we do this, what can happen here? So they were talking about electric cars because one of the guys has a Tesla and they said, yeah, even though we have that and we're not consuming gas, we are consuming electricity. And then, you know, we're using rare minerals also in our phones and these different things that Are we stripping it out of one area to be able to do something? Now we have to go retrofit all of our homes to be able to plug in a car for, um, you know, for electricity. And and the materials that we use in batteries can be just as bad as taking, you know, petroleum out of the the ground. So these are the discussions that I get, you know, engaged in. and, And I listen to what everybody's saying. I go, yeah, there are. Things that we think yes, electricity or solar power or wind or or you know water these can all be good ways that we can improve a lifestyle and maybe save our planet but are we thinking about what's the pro and the con I am hoping that because I again I'm going back to your concept of saying yeah we should have very unique industry uh, ways of getting to SAS customers and, and targeting them. And I'm going, that would be, I would like that. So what is, what is the opposite side of it? I think that that planning stage should be like, you could put that together as a, what would be the word? I would call that, you know, just a, a whiteboarding session with people that are thought leaders in this and just say, so what do you think? You know, how should we, take something out there that's going to be good for consumers and then how do we make sure we're being responsible about it as opposed to what happened with Facebook right
1: right and oh. still not know <clears throat> you know who knows yeah those changes
0: conditions we we give a lot away yeah you
1: just I've never read one so
0: I, I read mine that I put up there that I'm having people sign I go yeah, I really want to protect the people in there. I don't want them, I'm I'm not going to sell their data. So I want them to know that it's, it's protected and
1: it's private. Yeah. But I mean, gosh, conferences, like we make a living out of sharing oh, data right? and sharing connections. And so I think if, yeah, if people aren't willing to share that data with us and we can't share it with our customers, mm-hmm. then they don't really get to partake in the experience i mean maybe not the first time we would let them come but eventually we would weed them out and it would just be for the ones that do share um
0: something to think about i'm just saying if you decide to do it like as a white ta- uh you know like a a whiteboarding session and just say what is the future of our industry then count me in i'd come to that for sure yeah let's do it I'm serious. Like, I'm, yeah, I do want to participate in those kind of things because I, I feel like we should as much customer discovery that we do to try and make sure we have good product market fit, we should be weighing those things because I really know that when I talk and my phone starts giving me ads on Pizza Hut pizza and I'm going, but I just said that. And how did that start showing up in my phone? They're always listening. So oh, yeah those anyway i know that this is like not the direction that we had talked about but
1: no all good
0: yeah thank you i appreciate it so we're closing in over here on the end of the show it's hard to believe but uh what is the best mentoring advice that you want to share with our listeners
1: i think just slow down you know if you're like me you want to have big success fast and um you know, what I've found is I've just been in such a hurry for so long and your problems compound the long, you know, further down the line, if you're 40, 50, 60, and you're in a hurry and you have a hundred person company, a thousand people, you're just going to make things worse and worse. I mean, do things slow and steady. Don't cut corners, do things the right way and good things will happen.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I think that when um, when I go to San Francisco, I feel a different type of energy. And I have felt that when I go to New York. And at every, it just literally, I feel the pulse and the rhythm that's in those cities. And I think trying to slow down can be hard when there's a heartbeat there of just people going rush, 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 rush all the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is really, it's hard. Slow and steady wins the race. That, I like that. That I'm is what they
0: say. Yeah. So where can our listeners contact you? What is the website? We have the conference website up here. but Yeah.
1: Channel- Check out the conference website. Um, you know, we would love to have people attend. Or if you can't attend, just consume the content virtually. What it's about is growth and understanding the tactics that are going to help grow our companies over the next 12 months, you know, and there's going to be a market downturn, it's going to get worse. We we know it's all it's coming. So, how do you continue elite level performance in a market downturn? Um, and just gathering the highest level execs to, to come and discuss it. But more importantly than that, we're also taking those learnings and putting them out there for everybody to access. So you get the same insights that these people get uh by just streaming it on our website or downloading it after the fact. Nice. So yeah.
0: So the website is Ascent A S-C-E-N-T-C-O-N-F dot com, right? You got it. Perfect. And so is it okay for people to connect with you on LinkedIn? Do you accept those invites also?
1: Yeah. Say you heard about me here and I'll auto accept it.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And then I saw on the website, I went there and looked and you guys have a uh, a, a Twitter account too for the company. So those- Do are- we? I didn't know that. Yeah. It's on the footer. I found it. Good to know.
1: Yeah. All right.
0: It was an email and then there was Twitter and I went, okay, so you're very active on LinkedIn as a company, but also over there on uh, Twitter. Uh, those are the only two channels I really pay attention to also, honestly. Got it. Good dinner. So I really want to thank you for being here on the show and I'm excited to meet you in person and this show is going to be dropping in January. So you're going to get a notification when it comes out. Um, just so you know, I don't think I may have said this, but we air organic growth, no ads so far. Um, we've hit pretty close to 8,000 downloads right now. We'll finish 10 by the end of the year and it airs all over the world. So, you know, it's catching its own little life and going out there. We have a YouTube channel and most people seem to enjoy it on the um, audio download. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much and see you soon.
1: See you soon. Thank you so much.
0: We want to thank our sponsor cat five studios and thank you to our production team. Josue Gonzalez, Gio Vargas, Dina Burks and Lester Eccles. Our music is by Sophie Lloyd, and you can visit Employers for Change at www.e4c.tech to learn how you can create real diversity and inclusion culture while skilling your people for the future of work. We want to thank you for supporting the Interim Whisper brought to you by Employers for Change by subscribing to our show on Podbean or your favorite podcast channel.